We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9am. Seriously guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. 
Monday, November 15th, 2022, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in one month and 12 days, it is a victory Monday in the state of Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers win against the Dallas Cowboys in Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field, 31-28 to in overtime, a game that was kind of like an NBA game. Couple of a seven point run, a fourteen point run, a seventeen point run, and then they end the game the way that they did. The Packers snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Maybe keep their season alive. Last week we called it a eulogy. I'll see if you guys want to start digging them up out of the grave that we put them in last week, and we'll go through a little bit of everything tonight, and and mostly about Christian Watson. But I'll get to that here in just a minute. I am joined tonight by Ross Uglum's number one. Oh, Ross Uglum's number one fan is Christian Watson. No, Christian Watson's number one fan is Ross Uglum. People would argue that I am also Ross Uglum's number one fan. My wife would probably tell you that. God bless you, Jesse, and everything you do. Mrs. Uglum. (laughs) I don't think I've met her, so I don't think I'd call her by her first name. So Mrs. Uglum, God bless you. And I'm also joined. I I haven't met her either. I haven't, I haven't met her either, but we know that woman is a saint because we have yeah. spent time with Mr. Uglum here and uh God bless you Jesse. God bless you. Yes, amen to that. I'm also joined as the other voice you just heard that is Jacob Morley who Jacob, I got to tell you it was funny yesterday I was tailgating in some stranger's garage which God bless Green Bay Wisconsin for people that let me do that. But somebody asked if I knew Jacob Morley and they said after every Monday or after every Packers game the first thing they do is go to your account and see what you had to say about a given game. So that was fun. Uh, That was kind of cool to have someone that I know recognized by a complete stranger, but yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, Christian Watson's number one, a fan, Jacob Morley. Dude, shout out to that guy. That's yeah. Nice. Uh, That's funny. I usually don't have smart things to say as many people on my timeline will point out. So uh, it's nice to to get some recognition. Uh, does Does he not follow me? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, you're yeah, shadow banned. Yeah, you're shadow banned. So, yeah, we can't see any of your stuff anyways. Oh, uh, so Ross Uglum. Ross coming in with the Ross Uglum number one fan club of himself. Does he not follow me? Does he not follow myself? I've got great things to say. Good Lord. I have the best takes. <laughs> let's get let's get into it, guys. And, I, and I'm going to start. I don't want to bury the lead because we made the joke already that this show would primarily be this. But four catches – over 100 yards, three touchdowns, and I think each of them kind of said something different about him. So I'll start with me because I am, one, the host of this show, so therefore the most important, but uh, in all seriousness, I'm the, I was the Christian Watson skeptic. Uh, I certainly did not – I didn't, like, throw my hat or anything, but I didn't jump for joy when they picked him either, um, like I assume you guys certainly did. But each of those – so if you stop the game at the end of the first quarter – You're like, man, Christian Watson, in my memory, has three plays where he's had a chance to do something as a quote-unquote real receiver. You have the drop in Minnesota. You have a drop uh, on a a dig route. And you have a drop on a – calling it a drop, I think, is a little harsh on that one, but a contested catch that he didn't make. So now, like you said, Morley, I got a text that you said you kind of sent out to that was very similar. Basically said Watson's hands are made of concrete. Um And it certainly felt that way in that moment. Obviously, you've got weeks worth of frustration, not just about him, but the offense in general. And then as the second quarter hits, Rodgers unleashes a bomb on third and two, and I can already feel the tweets firing off of, just get the first down. Why didn't he just move the sticks? Why didn't he do that? Why didn't they run the ball? Any of that stuff, it hits Watson in the hands. He makes the catch. He scores a touchdown. And 
Roger said it was like a demon exercising type of play and just a whole energy or whatever hippie thing he said that changed around Watson on that particular play. The other two are the ones that honestly are more impressive to me because it's not, they weren't just go routes. It wasn't just run fast in a straight line. Uh, And I'll let you guys get to the second one. The third one was a game tying touchdown in the red zone, play action pass, uh, drag route across uh, the formation, scores a touchdown that ties the game. The second one though, is the most important play maybe of the Packers season. And if they go on some, I think Rogers' quote yesterday was, we're not dead or we're not dead yet or something like that. So if that's the new R-E-L-A-X, run the table type quote, this is the play that you could point to as the turning point of the season. And frankly, it was the turning point of the game. It's 28-14, Dallas leads. Green Bay has the ball fourth and six at midfield-ish. And Watson runs a deep over route. And it's it's fourth and ball game. If Green Bay does not convert this first down, the Cowboys are more than likely – going down the field, scoring a touchdown. It's 35-14, and the final score of this game is 42-17. And we're just kind of rehashing the same episode that we've had for the last four weeks, five weeks. That didn't happen. Watson cooks his man, beats the safety, whose one job is to not let him beat him, and scores a touchdown to make it 28-21. And then it was game on. And once it was game on, the, the Packers, their defense, I'll give them credit, did not allow another Dallas touchdown with an assist to Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy, quite frankly. But they didn't allow another score. The Packers scored again. Ross, I'll start here because you did a breakdown of that play on uh, for Packer Report on your social media timeline that apparently somebody doesn't follow and nobody can see anyways. But just talk to me about the importance of that play for Christian Watson. Again, like I said, fourth – I mean, am I exaggerating? That felt like fourth and ball game when the play started. You could argue it was fourth in the season. If you, I mean, you could – if you want to make that argument, um, I still think without Rashawn Gary, there's quite a bit of hope lost as far as, you know, what the team could do, even if all of the coin flips moving forward come up Packers. Uh, but that's a that's a digression, I guess, and a conversation for a different day. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said on Twitter, like this is just an impossibly tough scene for – the MVS compers. And I always thought that was a ridiculous comp and, and, and just lazy, you know, you, you um, put the RAS athletic testing stuff side by side. And I understand where from maybe a, a body comp, although I think Christian is physically much more imposing human being than, than Marquez was. Um, and, and you, you just watch what they do well um, in their, in their college tape and people are like, wow, Christian went to North Dakota State. MVS went to South Florida. Christian's North Dakota State team would have beat USF by twenty every year that MVS was yeah. there. So I, it's 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 the same. It's the same thing. But the fluidity, the explosion, um, the wiggle, if you will, the route running. Watson was better at all of that on that one route than year four MVS or the version of MVS that's currently playing. For the Chiefs, and and that's for me what made him a top twenty-five overall player for me um, was just the size-speed combo, but the basic skills because size-speed. I mean, he's a top five overall player in that draft, and 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 there are obviously many more things to playing football than just size and speed, but um, even just kind of having some of those basic 
abilities from a route running standpoint and just a little bit of nuance and being able to get in and out of breaks and being able to accelerate and burst, not just as you put it, run fast in a straight line. I think you really saw everything that this kid can be. And, and yeah, I mean, I think I've talked about how little I care about drops. Um, James Jones dropped the ball. Devontae Adams dropped the ball. Jordy Nelson dropped the ball. ball. I do actually think that Christian's hands might be even more of a long-term pro pro issue. I don't know that there'll be a problem. You know, I think, as I've often said before when talking about drops, the difference between a guy with great hands and a guy with bad hands is like three drops in a season versus nine drops in a season. I just don't care that much about those six reps. I, I just don't, especially if you're literally driving the offense, which I I, I said this to Dusty Evely, and, and I ne- he never got back to me, but I would love a sincere analysis of points per drive by the Green Bay Packers this season when Christian is available and when he's not because they have been such a better offense when he is on the field, um, even within games where he gets knocked out with injury and they just fold up shop. And, and I'm not saying it because, like, he's this first-team all-pro talent like Devontae, but what he does is, is, is very much a different thing or very much a similar thing to what I was talking about last year in the Niners playoff game when MVS couldn't go, and it was like there was this hood on the offense, this shell that the defense is able to create. Um, and, and, and now you're able to do it with a guy like Christian who actually has some intermediate ability shoot how about that catch on third and short? You ever see MVS do that a day in his life? And, and, and this is really going to turn into a Ross hates MVS. I was one of MVS's biggest defenders for years. I just reject the comp. I think it was foolish by those who made it. And I reject this idea that, okay, you replaced MVS with Christian, but you spent two first-round picks to replace MVS. No, you didn't. No, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And you get to, you know, just like you said, that deep over route for a touchdown, the fourth and ball game, fourth and season touchdown we're talking about. That's something. And this isn't, like you said, this isn't to be, to bag on MVS. He's, he had a nice career in Green Bay. Some things, you know, worked out for him, but really MVS was just a bomber. You know, when did you see him make plays other than maybe at the very tail end of his Green Bay career as an intermediate, you know, type of receiver and some plays like that. So, I don't think that those are comps. That comp was always like one where like the, you know, the quarterbacks that, that are African-American are all the same players or, you know, the, the, the Caucasian receivers like that felt like that sort of laziness level uh, of comp when you did something like that. Morley, let's talk about just kind of like the, the downside and the bummer of this. And it's not really, it's a, it's an optimistic type of bummer because we don't have a whole lot of, we're going to try and keep the negativity out of today's show because after a win, you know, that's obviously the way we want to do it. But the unfortunate part of this offense is like Ross said, whether we've got the breakdown of it or not, of the numbers or not, I can tell you guys, and I'm sure you both agree. And based on Ross just said, the eye test supports that theory that the offense is better when Watson is on the field. Uh, a really good example is like week two against Chicago where they just ran Watson as a gadget player and they ran for over 200 yards. Uh, they had the the Patriots game where Watson was able to go, and then he, I believe, he left that game at halftime. And the offense had a good second half, but it was just they struggled to find their way a little bit. 
it is a bummer looking at, and we said this was going to happen. So it was unfortunately predictable, but when Watson had to miss camp with an injury, that was his first exposure to Aaron Rodgers, And he missed camp until the very last part of the season. So he's always going to be behind the gun after that. But then you talk about, you know, this receiving core by the end of the year, I think we all wanted it to look like at the beginning of the year, we knew it was going to be Lazard and Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb getting the majority of those reps. Maybe if one of those rookies steps up in camp, they get something by the end of the year. I think we wanted it to be Watson Dobbs and then Cobb and Lazard with Sammy kind of phased out unless he just found the fountain of youth. But unfortunately, you know, Cobb's been injured. He may be a per our league source, uh, which is big B big B said that Cobb is going to play on Thursday. LaFleur kind of shot that down a little bit today, but hopefully he's able to go. Uh, Dobbs has now he's going to miss the next month with an ankle sprain. Watson, his injury issues are, are well chronicled at this point that he's in and out of the lineup the way he has been since camp. You're almost, and Lazard um, missed a game with a shoulder injury, and he's kind of been dinged a little bit throughout the course of the year as well. It almost makes you wonder what could this offense have been if all of those guys were, or at least mostly healthy. I don't even have to say all the right. way healthy because the NFL is 100% injury rate. If you're going to the grocery store this weekend, getting ready, all the supplies you need to watch the upcoming Packer game, you've already got your brats, your beer, you walk through you know, the different sections, you get to the water, and you might notice some strange tall boys of beer sitting in the bottled water section at your local store. You're wondering, what, what, is this doing, what is this doing here with the water? Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is it called Liquid death, what a, what a name for water, right? Well, it's because it is going to brutally murder not just your thirst, but it's also out to bring death to plastic bottles because their recyclable Tallboy cans help end the plastic bottle life cycle. And not only that, but they donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. And not only that, there's something about having that freezing cold can that's sitting in your hand that looks like a can of beer, but it's actually a super refreshing can of water. It's got three grams of agave nectar for an incredibly different flavor, different from any other water you have. That's what makes Liquid Death such a fun product to have stocked up at all times alongside all the other beverages you're going to have for game day. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator to at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Can, can I take that hand off? Or, Stack, you got something? Morley, whoever... I've been sitting here. Uncle. I've been sitting here, sitting on this. You guys go ahead and for argue a wa- with for a while. It's fifteen minutes sweat. in, and I've go got ahead. things to say. We've been talking about eulogies. We've been talking about this team being dead, and rightfully so. They they very well may, may be dead. But to quote my good friend Miracle Max, "Look who knows so much. It just so happens that the Packers here are mostly dead." There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. And Christian Watson is the miracle pill for this offense that we have talked about. Well, I'll send Miracle Max your way and he'll fix you right up, Ross. But but truthfully, like he really is, because you guys are onto something there with that. Like this offense is so much better with Christian Watson on the field. And I do want to talk about some of the plays that he made in this game for the Green Bay Packers. Just kind of, you know, we've hit the MVS stuff uh, down, 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 all all the way down. He's not MVS. And MVS is a really good football player. Like, he is a useful football player. uh, But even my KC buddies, like we were talking about him today in the DMs. And the, the quote, the MVS experience is wild is something that I think most Packers fans could agree with, and most Chiefs fans now are also getting a taste of that. Christian, The Christian Watson experience is also wild. Um, what he did on Sunday is very much what he did at NDSU for four years. Couple, like a couple plays where he got, eh, well, he probably would have scored on that too if he would have caught it. But he still ends up wrecking the game. And to see that he can do that at the NFL level kind of puts some of the, the concerns that you have about him to bed. I mean, the first touchdown catch that he had, the way he tracked that over his shoulder, that's no small thing. Like, that was a very impressive catch. But the most impressive thing that he did, I think, was that second – the second touchdown he had, he had on that sale route where he takes – he takes one and a half hard steps at that pylon. And if you watch the all 22, that safety, I believe it was bland over the top, 15 yards deep in a cover one, single high attack coverage – that's not supposed to score. But the fact of the matter is, is Bland already knows that the, the scouting report on Christian Watson has been out. And when he is on the field, teams play him terrified. And you see it, like, right in front of you on that play. Plain as day. He takes two steps towards the, tylon, the pylon. Bland, the safety, who's 15 yards cushioned still, starts sprinting at that pylon because he knows damn well he's got to be on his horse because that play is going to Watson. He's got to get there. But what ends up happening is he takes off like a jet the wrong way, and Watson, who is the anti-MVS, is able to sink his hips just enough and change course and get back up uh, to the middle of the field where Rodgers hit him with a perfect pass and he caught it in stride and scores on it. Like that, that type of thing is what made him a top 50 draft pick, what gets you so excited about him because there just are not a lot of people on the planet that can do that. 
uh, especially at his size. The other thing that you talked about too, Jacob, with the third and two, the third and two catch, that's impressive just his his uh his his ID, his ID of that coverage of what he saw in front of him. Because I think it was Sam Holman actually tweeted this out today too. But you watch it and you see him just on a simple drag route. If he continues to run as fast as he can, he's gonna run himself right into coverage. But he throttles down, he makes himself available, Rogers hits him, he takes a hit, first down, the chains keep on moving. So the fact of the matter is, yes, this offense is so much better with nine on the field. We still have not seen this offense to its fullest capacity. One, because there's so much youth, and we probably won't ever see that full capacity in any type of like long stretches just because they're too young. Uh, but I said it yesterday, man, like going into this season with Watson and Dubs as your like primary replacements for Devontae Adams was not a great plan. It just wasn't. And I think they wanted to hopefully have them develop down the stretch. That was the idea. And we're seeing Watson develop. We're seeing Dobbs develop. Like that's cool, but they're just, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard ask for a, a young player to, to be that guy for an offense, especially an offense led by Aaron Rodgers. Like, just not a good plan looking back on it. But if you are not excited about what these receivers might look like in year two and three, I don't know what to tell you because they have two of the most promising young receivers all in the NFL on this roster and Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson and those guys being able to grow together. If it's with Rodgers for one year, two years, that, that remains to be seen. But it's you know it's it's exciting at least and this season this game reminded us that it is still fun it can still be fun to watch this Green Bay Packers football team play on Sundays because it had been a long time since we had really seen them just go out and play well and play a fun brand of football was it perfect absolutely not but they got the win, and even if they didn't get the win, that's kind of where I was sitting at in overtime in the fourth quarter. You know, Even if they don't get the win here today, this was a really entertaining game to watch. This was a really encouraging game to watch um, with these the young talent kind of stepping up, showing out, and truthfully, and, and Rodgers looking like, hey, you give me a supporting cast, I can still be a top-five quarterback in this league, and I think that – cannot be swept under the rug either because we said it, Jacob, we've been saying it, Ross, we've been saying it. Rodgers can still be a high-level MVP, Super Bowl quarterback, but he just can't do it by himself anymore. And you see the young guys that are ready to step in and ready to step up for this offense to really take that next uh, that next progression. And it's probably not going to be this year, and that sucks. But – who knows, man? Who knows what the future has to hold for this team? And Ross, I see you. I see that hand. Yeah, Wait, total team so, pastor thing there. Which one are the, you more? So here's something that 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 Ben Fennell said, and, and that you, Mister Wessendorf, retweeted after they lost to Detroit, which was a terrible game, and, and I get all that. Um, but I, I've I've struggled with this. So the talent on this Packers team isn't good enough. I don't know what magical fairy dust you sprinkle in November to fix any of this. I don't see a broken scheme. See playfully, I see players woefully underperforming and a coaching staff scratching and clawing for solutions on the fly, which I think actually that tweet, and I do love Ben, is a little uh, oxymoronic. I, it, Either the players aren't talented enough or they're underperforming. Probably not both, right? That doesn't make a ton of sense. Either 
they can't perform or they aren't. If they're underperforming, the insinuation is that they're talented, but I'm, I'm digging maybe too deep into the word, the words. I, I, I just don't believe that this team was ever not talented enough. I think they've been, and this now is going to make me sound like an excuse maker, but I think they've been incredibly unlucky um, from a, you know, officiating standpoint. I, I don't feel like they've gotten a lot of calls this year, but that's really the least of their issues. The issues are the injuries and, and the number one thing that, that wrecks an offense is a lack of continuity on the offensive line, which they have had in spades. I mean, the number of snaps that they've taken together as a preferred five are, I think you know, yesterday minimal. was the first time those, that group has started back to back games. Right. Started and finished. The first time all year, yesterday. first time all year that their preferred five has start started and finished a game too. So, I mean, that makes things next to impossible. You got dubs in and out. You've got Watson in and out. You've got Cobb out. You got Lazard in and out. You, you're, They've just been incredibly unlucky. And and like I said, I, I do think that there's a real cap on even the most wonderful, magical run in the whole wide world. I, I do think the Gary injury does kind of put a cap on what that magical run could be. But from a talent standpoint, I love Devontae Adams. I do. But he was replaced by Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs. And Devontae Adams is so you know, GD amazing that the Las Vegas Raiders are two and seven. So I, I if you're really going to tell me that Devontae is the whole reason that Green Bay is four and six instead of seven and one, and the team that he got traded to is two and seven, I'm not buying that. And, and then I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into hashtag WR wins here, but Devontae Adams is just not that much of a singular driver of wins and losses. You got all of the pieces back from last year's defense. Unfortunately, they brought the coordinator back. But you, you add Devontae White. You add Quay Walker. By the way, you add Jair Alexander. They did what they did defensively last year without him. Same thing can kind of be said for the offense. You, you add David Bakhtari. Just wasn't there last year. I would argue that maybe the talent level isn't better because Devontae is that talented of, of a player. But, man, if you're going to give me Ja, give me Bakhtiari, give me Watson, give me Dubs, and really not make any other major subtractions, I guess, except maybe MVS, I, I just don't think that there's that much of a drop in talent. I think a lot of this was bad luck. Some of it was bad coaching. I, I really think that this team – given, for example, the Vikings injury luck, would be 6-2. and two. I, I really believe that. I, I just think they have – I think it's really, really hard to get anything done when you're constantly shuffling the offensive line. Their wide receiver luck has been laughably bad from a health perspective, and they just haven't had a couple of things go their way. They're still 4-6, and six, but I just I, – I really don't think talent is the issue if all the talent could actually play together – and my God in heaven, if I could ever see Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson actually play 60 minutes of football together, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, it would. And I think that the issue on it is, and where I, I kind of agree, but like, because the talent standpoint, like you said, I don't think the drop off in, in talent, even though I've said that. So, kind of my explanation is like what Morley said earlier, where it's the talent that they have 
trying to get those guys to just replace them players and be ready to go. Uh, the injuries certainly didn't help that. The situation on the offensive line, like you said, hasn't helped that. They have had kind of a – like Morley said last week, it was like the the buddy, the elf, in the elevator. Here's all the things that could go wrong. And this is just on offense. We haven't even talked about the defense yet. And he just hits all the buttons because it was. It's all the buttons. you know. And it starts with Watson not being able to play in training camp. And then Watson not really being able to play basically at the start of the season because what they IR'd or they didn't IR him, but he missed some time, like two or three weeks with a hamstring injury. Uh, Sam, you know, the Watkins thing, the Sammy Watkins not being good thing, I think was pretty predictable. But even still, you know, if those rookie, like if, if Dobbs can displace him and, and Samari Toure has started to do some stuff, like you're going to see some things because you talked about the cap on what this magical run could be. And we can, we can transition to that now because then the question is how, you know, what does this, what does it all mean? And Aaron Rodgers said yesterday, you know, we're not dead yet. And then they play Thursday night against the Titans and then they'll have 10 days to prepare for what is now an undefeated Philadelphia Eagles team as we record tied 7-7 with the Washington Commanders. They'll play Philadelphia in primetime in Philadelphia. The Eagles may still be undefeated at that point. So my take on it is that I'm not even going to entertain the thought of them going on a run and making the playoffs unless they get to six and six. Because, you know, last week we sat here and we talked about the schedule and we're like, oh, they're going to be three and nine. Like they're not beating Dallas. They're probably not beating Tennessee after that. And then they're not beating Philadelphia on the road. Like the, the especially with after the emotions of being essentially at rock bottom, losing to Detroit in Detroit and a, against a really bad defense where the offense just couldn't get out of its own way. And it's become too much of a trend that way. And that's another part where you talk about, Coaching, execution, you know, the play that won the game yesterday, that was an RPO that the Packers essentially, not quite the same thing, but they did something similar last week and Rodgers spiked the ball off of his face mask and it turned into an interception. Yesterday, it's a game winner. You know, it gets them into field goal range and they they execute the play. Uh, they've had a lack of execution. But Ross, like you said, when we start talking about what could it mean, offensively, to me, all I want to see is the continued development of those young players. Can I see Watson, Dobbs, and Cobb at the same time? Because I think you could build a pretty solid 2023 receiving core around those three guys. Because if Rodgers is back, I'm 98% sure Randall Cobb is going to be back unless he just decides he doesn't want to play anymore. But I think you can build a solid group around that, add a, a veteran who's actually useful instead of Sammy Watkins, whether that via trade or there aren't a ton of free agent receivers that are available for something like that. But if they can do something like that, add another young player that's a high-end type of player. Like you could fix this offense, I think, relatively quickly. Um, and I use that term somewhat uh, with with the caveat, of course, that this is assuming Rodgers is back and everything kind of goes a little bit better next year. But the cap on this thing is Rashawn Gary this year was what? One of their three best players, five best players, and he's not coming back. And the downside – to yesterday's game. Yes. The defense only gave up 28 points and seven of them came on. Well, I said only like that's not a lot, but seven of them came on an Amari Rogers fumble, but like they can't consistently pressure the quarterback with the group they have out there. You know, Enigbari is going to have some nice moments. He's also going to look like a fifth round rookie. Sometimes uh, the next play that Jonathan Garvin or Ladarius Hamilton or any of the other backup edge rushers makes will be the first, in my opinion. Uh, Kenny Clark has not been. Jonathan Garvin had a hell of a play in this game when he knocked down that little uh, naked boot. 
That's a good play. I mean, it was the difference between a three-yard gain and a not, but, I mean, that's that's fine. I mean, either way. Hell of a play. Not not impact players. Like, they they haven't been impact players. Let's just call that. That we'll just call that what it is. Kenny Clark hasn't been himself. They don't play Devontae Wyatt, and he's their best pass rusher. That's a defensive lineman, not named Kenny Clark. And when Kenny's not playing well, they got to find something. Joe Barry talked today about needing to find ways to schematically pressure the quarterback. They haven't been able to do that. I just don't know how. The, and the other part that's frustrating, and this is a this isn't just on defense. This is the coaching staff as a whole, and they and they have it at all three phases. It has been obvious for weeks that Darnell Savage cannot play safety and that they should have been trying something else. And he wasn't perfect yesterday, but I do think he played better as a slot corner on special teams. I don't want to spend any more time on Amari Rogers, but like they were still rich Basaccia even not quite gave him a vote of confidence, but basically said, I love him. You got to coach the man and then the player or something. And he's put us in bad positions. Like, well, yeah, then that's been for two years now. Stop putting him out there. And on the offensive side of the ball, it was Royce Newman and Jake Hansen. Like, it neither one of those guys are starters and it took injuries for them to fix something. And that's where things get frustrating. They're so reluctant to make changes until it's very obvious or they don't have a choice. Basically they didn't have a choice, but to move Savage down yesterday because Eric Stokes is out for the season. And I guess the choice they could have made was leaving Savage where he was and putting Keyshawn Nixon in the slot, but they didn't do that. And I'm thankful that they did that. They, the issue that you're going to have with this team is Thursday night they play Derrick Henry. And I'm not going to – you know, I know running back wins isn't a thing. I probably shouted at all of you on this podcast when the Packers played the Titans two years ago. The thing about this team is they can't – I don't know if they can go up 14 rip to start the game like they did a couple years ago against Tennessee. And Tennessee is more than willing to commit to running the football against a team that – I mean, Dallas ran for five yards of crack yesterday. Ross, you talked about it on Twitter that nobody sees. If McCarthy and Kellen Moore were just willing to run the ball, Dallas probably wins that game in overtime. But it, it's it's been incredible to watch that um, and frustrating. I just don't know. I still think the offense is going to have moments where it looks clunky. I still think that the defense is is not very good and, frankly, hasn't been very good. Um, I think if you want to try and spin some numbers and say this isn't the defense's fault, then that's that's fine. But they're just not a very good unit. And their special teams, like they pay Rich Bisaccia more money than the three of us combined will ever see in our lifetime for one year. And they stink. Like they stink on special teams. They missed a field goal yesterday. They fumbled a punt. They had penalties on kickoff returns. They got into a scuffle with uh, Abram, who's the new guy here. They had a scuffle there. I just don't see the magical run. I, I very much think that when we look back at the end of the year, we'll be like, man, that Dallas game was fun. And that was about it, you know, for the, for the rest of, now I'm not saying, I don't, I don't think they're going to finish, you know, four and 13 or whatever that would end up being. They'll probably find another win here or there down the stretch based on solely the Aaron Rodgers ownership of Dallas leads me to believe that the Aaron Rodgers ownership of Chicago probably still comes into play but I don't see a playoff run coming out of this. Morley, try and give me some optimism. Yeah, I don't think they're very good still. <laughs> like, uh, I think they have talent. I think they have young talent. I think the best thing for this team is to play well down the stretch and to for these young guys to develop and for these young guys to get that valuable you know, game experience. I'm still – people aren't going to like this, but I'm still very much in the camp of if you're – 
out of if you're out of it at the end, give me Jordan Love in three games. Let me see what it looks like. Um, and I know that like some people are like, that's never going to happen. That's never, ever going to happen if 12 is still breathing. And maybe, maybe so. But we'll see. You know, crazier things have maybe happened in the NFL than this team making a run. But like kind of what Ross alluded to earlier, uh, without Rashawn Gary, uh, it's it's a tall, tall task for this team to, one, make a run. I mean, they probably can lose one more game maybe the rest of the year. And, you know, hell, <laughs> If they if they do that, but here's here's the flip side of it though, right, guys? If they do make a run at this part point in the season with the schedule that is upon them right now, then maybe they're really good. Maybe they're battle tested and ready to win some games in the playoffs. I don't know. That's the optimistic uh, take, I guess. But at this point, you could see it going anyway. Um, last year we had this team. Or last week, excuse me, we had this team dead in the water. And I still don't think we're. We too were talking far about draft. Could they draft CJ Young or, or Bryce or CJ Stroud or Bryce Young? Like we were talking about stuff like that. Yeah. Which and hey, if they only stuff win four games, that, that's mm. still probably put to bed. Like probably, yeah, honestly. yeah. I think I think so, and I think I'm very much in the camp of like I still think Rodgers can play, but I don't know. I, I just I, this team, it doesn't change the fact that this team is still at a crossroads. It really is. And they need to figure out what the future looks like and they need to, whatever it is, they need to ride or die with it, which is, I mean, you can, you could argue that they're doing it right now and this is what it looks like. So uh, we'll see. I would, uh, I would, by the way, I would ascend to Valhalla if the number seven seed Green Bay Packers beat the number two seed Minnesota Vikings in the wild card round. <laughs> I would ascend to Valhalla. I am already on record saying that Minnesota, depending on, I mean, this is matchup dependent, obviously, but I am already on record saying that Minnesota will lose their first playoff game. And as of right now, I believe that the seventh seed is the San Francisco 49ers. And like, to me, the 49ers are a team, if they're healthy from a talent standpoint, is a top two or three team in the NFC. And, and they just happen to have a sock puppet playing quarterback. So maybe that's the benefit that the Vikings can find. I don't know. Ross, we're going to get out of here here, but any reason in your mind for optimism that maybe this was a galvanizing moment and they can find a way to, you know, get to a spot where they're in the playoff. I mean, they're in the hunt, but like realistically in the hunt. Yeah. I mean, look, I think, you know, I think nine and eight has a chance. I don't know if it has a good chance, but I think it has a chance. So you got to go five and two here. Um, I think they'll beat the Lions at home. I think they'll beat Chicago. Uh, if if they LA have to win two them. of Tennessee, Philadelphia, and Miami on Christmas, I think that's those are your crossroads yeah. games. I think they have to win two of those three games, and two of those three games are on the road. So that's I mean, talk be to me Friday morning, right? Like if they lose to the Titans, whatever, but. I think this game and, and specifically what Christian did, I, I think the – this is going to sound insane, but I, I think the shutting the door on the Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl window thing is, is just premature. Like, I don't know. It's just the way I feel. I, I think next year or the year after, if you can get him to actually commit to playing two more seasons and, and making it clear to the people around him that he's going to be there – and what Dubs can do, what Watson can do, um, make a change at the defensive coordinator spot. Maybe, maybe this year you are able to get some elite talent in the draft because you, you do 
you know, things don't maybe go your way. I just with the team that I, I mean, that Dallas team is can be in the that Dallas team can be in the 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 conference. They can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody. I think that's right. pretty but, obvious. But the they can be anybody thing like you just need to get in the tournament. And and I think two shots and I understand that the tournament has not gone well since twenty ten. I that is not lost on me. But uh yeah, and I, I differ with, with Jake Morley, obviously. Like I I don't I have any desire to see the Jordan Love experience. I think I've seen. I do I only if they're mathematically eliminated in the hopes, however, that the, because I am of the belief, like I've said before, I would have moved on last year. The both or neither thing that Ross has talked about a bunch. Um, that being said, I think it's, if Aaron Rodgers wants to come back, there's a 99% chance he'll be the starting quarterback in green Bay. I don't think he's going to say, I want to come back and they're going to say no. Cause if they were going to do that, that was going to happen last off season. I don't think that's going to happen. The other thing that you, if you want some optimism and these are for uh, conversations to be had when the off season hits, but they were aggressive in offers for DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darren Waller, guys like that. So would they also not just add guys in the draft, but also add an outside explosive player? You know, that's certainly something that they could do. And now you're talking about a receiving core next year with potentially year two Watson leap, year two Dobbs leap, and, you know, a trade for whoever that you're able to bring in. That's a pretty solid spot to start with a kind of a fresh start with Aaron Rodgers and this entire team. So, but that's an off season conversation. I think right now the, the new turning point, if you will, is Thursday night against Tennessee. And if the Packers can win that game, then they're five and six, they've got 10 days to prepare for the Eagles. That could very much be a, you know, a big, a big galvanizer because if the Eagles are, you know, they're up 14, seven now, they will be nine and zero if they win this game, 10 and zero if they win next week, you know, if they stop an undefeated team. And if you beat the Eagles, for my money's worth, right now, the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. They've won all of their games. Buffalo can't get out of their own way. I think the Bills are immensely overrated in the public eye just based on what's actually happened on the field. That being said, I think they're obviously a contender. But, you know, that's something where if they're 6-6, six and six, then we can definitely have some conversations on that. But if they drop, you know, if, if Sunday's game ends up meaning nothing because they drop Thursday's game against Tennessee, then, yeah, you start talking about some stuff for the end of the year. But, yeah, I'm with I'm with Ross on I don't – I don't have no desire to see Jordan Love. I just don't think there's a scenario that plays out where he's ever the team's preferred starting quarterback um, in Green Bay. So the only way that happens is if Rodgers retires. And I just don't think he's going to retire after a season where they miss the playoffs. But that's a long conversation. We'll have more. We wanted some happiness for today. So the Packers win 31-28 to 28 over the Dallas Cowboys. Be sure to follow this show at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter personally at Jacob Morley. Or, no, that's Jacob Morley. You can follow at Jacob Morley. Wow, everybody wants to be, wants to be me. Goodness I just want to be Morley so bad. Everyone's my me. number one fan. You can follow me at Jacob Westerdorf. You can follow Ross at Christian Watson Rocks 99. No, uh, it's at Ross Uglum. Uh, check us out. Packer Report here uh, next Monday where we'll be talking uh, hopefully another win. Because I will say this, you know, as much negativity and such as there's been, yesterday was a hell of a lot more fun than the last month was. Uh, and I sent, I strongly prefer that. I'm never going to be on, and I and I speak for the other guys when I say this, but I'm never going to be on Team Tank when there's always or when there's still a chance, and there's still a chance right now. Maybe it's the Lloyd Christmas chance, but it exists. So check us out there. Check us out anywhere you can find stuff. We'll be back uh, here at Packaday tomorrow, previewing Packers and Titans. 
getting in everything with uh, Dusty Evely, Steve Perhatch, and Sarah Kelleher. So while you guys got time, check that out tomorrow. Listen to today's show, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy Monday Night Football, uh, which you've already watched by now, so that was kind of a stupid thing to say, but whatever. Enjoy the game Thursday night. If you're going, make some noise, be loud, and help our guys get uh, another win. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.